Chicago Bulls, number 23, GOAT. <laughs> Greatest of all time. Who am I talking about? Michael Jordan, yes. Even for us, for those of us who don't find basketball one of our interests, we know Jordan, Nike, Space Jam. And as we talk about MJ, we call him by different titles, right? NBA champion, Olympic gold medalist, his airness. But how many of you would be able to call Michael Jordan an acquaintance? How many of you, for you, he'd be able to spot you in an airport? Or you could call him a trusted friend? I think for many, we may come to something as famous and well-known as the 23rd Psalm. In a similar way, we might come to someone like Michael Jordan. Super familiar with him, spent a lot of time hearing Psalm 23 at various events like funerals. But a question for us this morning is, can we say that he is our shepherd? Do we know him? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, throughout the Psalms, we see God referred to in different ways, like king or rock. Uh, in Psalm 8, a couple weeks ago, we saw him referred to as kind of the creator and how small we are. But here in Psalm 23, we see him pictured intimately and personally as our shepherd. A shepherd lived with his flock. He was everything to it, guide, physician, protector. And it's so no wonder that David says, he's my shepherd, Therefore, I shall not want. That's his thesis statement for this psalm. He just fleshes it out. What is so wonderful about this shepherd that David can say he won't want? We want everything all the time. We, our lives aren't complete until we want something more. Well, he continues with this imagery of shepherding. He says that the Lord's shepherding makes him to lie down in green pastures. David knew that sheep, like most of you this morning, need sleep and rest, Right? And here he says, the Lord brings his sheep to pastures to rest. And they're green pastures. The terrain that David lived in uh, would get green in the winter and spring, but then get dry and, and kind of arid. And so they need to like, the sheep would have to go from place to place to get to green pastures. But David says here that when Jesus, when the Lord is his shepherd, there is always green pastures. And he continues on and shows that the Lord is a shepherd who leads his sheep beside still waters. He provides nourishment and guidance for them. God is intimately aware of their needs. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He restores the strength of his people. David certainly faced things in his life that depleted his joy and energy. And here he describes God as the one who restores him, gives him reason to sing again. Verse 3 again, David says that he leads him in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The paths on which the Lord takes his sheep are righteous paths. They don't haphazardly lead into evil. His sheep are on right paths for the sake of his name. And that makes all the difference in the world when we get to verse 4, where it says that the Lord, paths with the Lord are not just sunshine and roses. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, when we encounter hard darkness in our lives, whether that's trial or temptation or pain, we can often think of those things as outside God's plan. Certainly that pain is not from him. 
Yet David, who is no stranger to pain, transitions seamlessly from talking about God's righteous paths to talking about the path that goes through the valley. We can all remember the mountaintop experiences, right? We felt so joyful, but when we go through valleys, we we don't want to think about them again. We say, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will despair. I will be afraid. I will rage against God. I will doubt his goodness. But friends, David knew both paths came from the good shepherd. The path by the still waters and the path through the valley of death. There's comfort for us there. What what comfort is there in thinking that my trials don't come from God? That he's good so he couldn't make that happen. Friends, the, the, the joy for us when, when things are out of control is that God is in control of all of it, good and bad. He has us right where he wants us. He's a faithful shepherd. David says that though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil. And that's not some sort of distant, whatever, God's in control. He has a reason. You see that there? For you are with me. The truth that the Lord is his shepherd means that God is not some distant deity overseeing his destiny, but a guide who is actually walking with him. For David, that makes all the difference. And when we go through loss, when we reach out to a friend via like Facebook chat or a phone call, there's comfort there. But it's nothing compared to if that friend gets on a plane and comes to us and holds our hand and comforts us and is close. Friends, that is our shepherd. He is present with us. That was the core of his relationship with his people in the Old Testament. He promised to be with them. Remember that pillar of, of cloud in the, in the day and, and fire by night? His presence was with his people. That doesn't mean they weren't afraid of his presence. Often it was fearful, but it was comforting. He was with them. And here David rejoices in a merciful shepherd who would accompany his people even through their valleys. I think we've been talking about this a lot recently, church, but that's not by mistake. When we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, it is there that we will know God's presence. Do you see how David refers to God in the first few verses? He and his. But when he gets to the valley, he says, you and your. The shepherd is no longer ahead. He's coming alongside David. He shifts his language. What's your valley right now, church? A, a problem with family, an illness, a depression or fear? where you can say God is a good shepherd, yes, but not there. Friends, God is a shepherd who is present with his people. Take comfort in that. God will use his rod and staff to comfort you. The rod is a cudgel for defense. The staff is a a tool to control his sheep. We can take comfort, church, even in the valley, that God is working to both protect and direct us. And friends, I need to remind you that all this imagery about the Lord as shepherd is, is used in context of a special relationship. We can't just read this psalm as many do and just kind of apply it willy-nilly to all those who are suffering. Uh, David uses the name Lord there in verse 1. It's a special name for God. And then he uses the word mercy in verse 6. That's a special mercy that God had for his special people. God's special shepherding love shown here in Psalm 23 isn't a sort of come and get it, all you can eat invitation to just everybody. It's important for us to remember that God's compassion is for his sheep. Not because we're worthy, but because he's good. And part of that covenantal relationship that God set up was for sacrifices to be made. God would not have been good to just show mercy indiscriminately to sinners. So he set up a system for sinners to give sacrifices and that their sin would be on a substitute instead of them. So fast forward hundreds of years to the New Testament and we see God sending the sacrifice 
the best substitute for his people, his son. Greatest act of mercy ever seen. And listen, as Lee read for us earlier, how Jesus talks about his mission to save. John 10, I am the good shepherd. That's wonderful. Jesus directs and leads us and protects us. Not, not so fast, there's more. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What an amazing fulfillment to Psalm 23. I wonder if David could even see in, a, in any way the wonderful twist of history that was coming, that the climax of the shepherd's mercy towards his people would be in giving his own life for them. Old commentator puts it this way, blessed Jesus. How infinitely have you outdone the best shepherd that ever existed. Many have been remarkable for looking diligently to the state of their flocks, providing for them suitable pasture, taking care that none of them go astray, and defending them against the beasts of prey to which they were exposed. But when did anyone lay down his life for his sheep? Yet this has been done by our compassionate shepherd. Psalm 23 points us to Christ this morning. He is one who guides us by his spirit, who is with us, present, comforts us, saves us. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus in this way, if you haven't placed your trust in him, then he invites you to do that this morning. He came to live the perfect life you were meant to live and can't, and to die the death you were supposed to live under God's justice and should have. Turn to him, be saved this morning. The final two verses, David shifts from the imagery of a shepherd to that of a host at a dinner party. He sees the Lord as this generous host who spreads a meal before him, even in the presence of those who would seek his harm. The trials in David's life didn't change the fact that God had ultimate victory over his foes. Verse 5, God anoints David's head. That's something that hosted for the honored guests at their dinner parties. And so David says, God has brought me into his house. My cup overflows. I have one of those fancy refrigerators at home where you just put the water underneath the little distilled, you know, purified water and just streams out. And sometimes the TV will be on and like ESPN top 10 will come on and I'll just like put it underneath and I'll just be like this. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh. Somebody get the towel because it just spilled all over, right? And it just goes everywhere, underneath everything. And, and that frustrates me, but I was reminded of that this past week when I thought about David saying God's cup of blessing is overflowing. That me being stupid, having my, my glass there is a reminder of God's grace. That he's given us so much abundant covenant blessings for his people. Not necessarily blessings that promise us richness and prosperity here on earth. In fact, sometimes the opposite, suffering and sadness. But one that looks forward to an eternity of blessing. And that's where David goes in verse 6. God's goodness and mercy is not something that's just there for the taking, but it will actually follow David. That doesn't mean it'll kind of straggle behind him. It means it will pursue him at all costs. One pastor used the idea of a, of a highway patrolman racing after a speeder, just continually getting at him and finally pulling him over and then inviting him into his house. When we try to run away from God, he pursues us in a never-failing love. Church in Christ, as those united to the great shepherd who laid down his life for us, for us sheep. We can say with David that surely goodness and mercy shall pursue us as long as we live. And when we come to that final dinner, we will be more than God's dinner guests for an evening. We will live with him forever. What a shepherd. 
So how about Psalm 23 to challenge us then this morning? Brothers and sisters, if this is the character of our shepherd, even to the point of laying down his own life to make us his sheep, how must we respond? There are a host of ways to look at this psalm and respond. And believe me, people have written hosts of things. But let's just end briefly by taking a cue from David. You see those three verses where David kind of says, I will do something. Verses one, four, and six. Let's use those as our takeaways this morning, courtesy of David. So first, verse one. Since the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. Church, if this Lord is our guide and protector, then we have all we need. We can't add anything to a cup that's already overflowing. So what do you find yourself in need of right now? A job? A spouse? Maybe you just want your perpetual worry to go away. Maybe more sleep and less insomnia. Maybe peace in a broken relationship or victory over a haunting temptation. Whatever you need, Christian, Psalm 23 calls you to look to your shepherd, Jesus. He will provide all you need. Look to him. I've been challenged this past week personally to think more about Jesus than I think about you. Then I think about my family. Then I think about this church. Then I think about my work. Because when I look at my life, I still, I see so much I lack. When I look to Christ, I see all I have. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, I have a great need for Christ. I have a great Christ for my need. So when you feel desperate for something, look to him. Second, verse four, I will fear no evil. I think many of the actions we take and, and thoughts we think during the day can be chalked up to what we fear, right? We are reactive creatures. We fear the unknown future. We fear the painful past. We fear the valleys. Have you ever feared what God might put in your life? But because Christ has laid down his life for us, we can confidently say with David that we will fear no evil, for you are with me. Christian, whether you're in a valley now or not, take time to recognize the presence of your shepherd with you this week. Many of you know I've been struggling with inordinate anxiety over the past few months in starting this church. That's been one of the promises I've clinged to. God is with me. He's present. He is not distant. He is Emmanuel. I think even in the valley, when you look for God's presence, you will find it. As he is at work protecting, nurturing, guiding. And so if you feel distant from God right now, if you don't feel like you can say with David, for you are with me, Seek his face. Receive his assurance through his word, by his spirit, from each other. Oftentimes, since we are spirit-indwelt believers, the presence of God that we will feel is from each other. And finally, verse 6. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we see Christ as our shepherd, we're reminded here that God's mercy in Christ will last us 
into eternity. I'm not a comfortable flyer, so I don't do it that often, but getting on airplanes always gives me this real weird cocktail of excitement and utter panic. I don't know if any of you can relate, but if you can, you can talk to me afterwards. I, I don't have any answers for you. But if I knew when I buckled in that that plane would get me safely to a destination, that just as surely as those wheels lifted off, they would touch down again in several hours. If I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was going to happen, that would change my whole flight. I'd actually laugh at the movies, right? Friends, we know that our shepherd will keep us both now and forever. He will bring us all the way home. What confidence that ought to give us. The Lord Jesus Christ is our shepherd. We will not want, we will not fear. We will dwell with him forever. So as we close, let me read for you just from Revelation chapter 7. This is a, a vision of John as he's seeing heaven. And he's seeing the saints who have had their um, robes washed and made white in the blood of the lamb. And what does he say? Revelation 7, the last three verses. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. I shall not want, I will fear no evil. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because he is our shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for your care for us. Thank you for laying down your life for stubborn, hate-filled sheep. We pray for your grace to be at work in us, that you might, or that we might find it in you all that we could ever need. In Jesus' name, amen.